Welcome back to The Human Exception. This week, we decide to get into something a little more lighthearted. Each of us read a book by the acclaimed erotica writer Chuck Tingle. We'll talk about what that experience was like and dive into the mystery that is the world's most prolific dinosaur erotica author. Watch out for foul language and be prepared for commentary on sexuality and plenty of innuendo in this Human Exception. Um, welcome back to another human exception. This week, uh, we decided to take a break from some of the more serious topics that we've been talking about lately, and uh, we've got tingly with it. So, so sorry. Holly <laughs> <laughs> so had this delighted. wonderful idea that we all should um, take read a Chuck Tingle book and then discuss. So this is what we did. <laughs> I have introduced so many people to him, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I just know of him. I've never read anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God, what am I doing? <laughs> We've read them now, so you don't have to. Or maybe you'll want to after this. We'll maybe you should. I don't know. Yeah. Um, before we get too deep into this, though, I do have an announcement. Uh, do, 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 do. We've, we're at 512 downloads. Hell yeah. Yay. What up? Yeah, Um, it was 450 on Friday. <laughs> Whoa. We've been growing exponentially as much as exponentially for us as possible so uh thank you to all your new listeners hope you stick around and <laughs> you're not scared of chuck tingle really yeah this is maybe not the one you want to come in on <laughs> like i realize that that means i have to make a chuck tingle cover oh, i'm so excited oh my god yes <laughs> yes everything i ever wanted right there <laughs> make It'll kayla do this <laughs> Find a just bunch find, of stock images. Of- <laughs> yep. Just find a bunch of people in dinosaur costumes with unicorn tails. You'll be oh fine. <laughs> that, that's pretty accurate. Yep. It yeah. is. I know. <laughs> I can't All wait. right. So um, who wants to go first? I guess, you know, maybe Hallie, you went with one of his more traditional works. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Okay, so I feel like it, an intro is necessary as to how I stumbled across this guy. So, and we'll get into, there There are articles you can go read that we all read. Um, the Vox article is really good from several years ago. But I remember very distinctly, <laughs> such a weird thing to have someone ask you about. When I was working in a public library, my coworker came up to me and said, do you know someone's writing Bigfoot erotica? And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> now, this was not him, but that was the start of all of that, right? So this was like 2014. This was several years ago. And we were looking at the covers online. And then there was like an article in one of the professional publications that someone was kind of joking about. And we're like, oh, it's very funny. And then I said something to a friend and he was like, wait. Hold on, I have to send you something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's like, have you ever heard of this guy? And this is where I first met Chuck Dingle. Because, <laughs> and I was blabbergasted. 
because I'm like, what is this is when all of the the really hotly contested debates were going on about traditional publishing versus self-publishing. And, you know, should we carry this stuff in the library? And everyone's being very pedantic and um, kind of nose in the air about it. And I was like, listen, if I could get away with buying this with tax dollars, I would. (laughs) But I can't. So, and wouldn't you fucking know it, like two weeks later, someone came in and asked for one of the Bigfoot erotica books that I lost my shit. I was <laughs> like, am I getting punked? Did you, do you know someone I know? And they, <laughs> they sent you in here because you lost a bet. Like, no, she was dead serious. I was like, oh God, I, mean, I don't know how to answer this question with a straight face. So anyway, it, pro- it was probably Tina Belcher. Oh God! I don't know. Oh my God! <laughs> it took me a second, and then I got it. I was like, "I've been watching okay, that a lot okay, lately." Okay. <laughs> All about those hairy butts. <laughs> so that was kind of my. So he's always been like in the periphery of just my awareness of like self-publishing, and then he was nominated for a Hugo, and all of this stuff happened that we can talk about later. But I. Um, y- he sells only through Amazon. Um, so you can you can go in and buy just an individual book. They're very, very short. It took me like 10 minutes to read it. They're very short. Um, so I bought, hold on. My, my Kindle reader <laughs> is losing its mind right now. It's like, wait, did you mean? No, I didn't. Maybe I did. Uh, I bought the collection Scary Stories to Tingle Your Lesbian Butt. Seven Tales of Ladybuck on Ladybuck Terror. <laughs> the cover's amazing. Uh, um, <laughs> he must have, what, a couple hundred titles now? Got it. Under his name. There's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. Yeah. So you can buy kind of the, the collections, which are a little bit cheaper than buying title by title. Um, I think this was $6.99. And then I had to warn my husband of course to not it pay was. attention. I know, right? <laughs> so, do you all want to know the the contents of this book? Um, yes. Yeah, okay. obviously. Okay, okay. Let me let me read you the titles of the stories. I apologize to the people who are hearing this through my window. I don't care. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. So, table of contents: the sentient physical manifestation of Halloween eats me out. <laughs> I was crying laughing the entire time. Uh, eaten right by a saber-toothed cat at the premiere of the bizarre and frightening film adaptation of Sabretooth Cats the Musical. I feel like that there was a missed opportunity there of going with like Sabretooth Pussy. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the much more traditional, ah yes, the legend of sleepy butthole. <laughs> <laughs> This one confused me, um, and I am a, a, I believe, a rather imaginative person, but apiest, apiarist, lesbian tractor witch makes me come hard. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I feel like yep. that's just very straightforward. Like that. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> the title is, is obviously deceiving. The title is very deceiving. There was talk about the void. And uh, time travel. In that oh, one. shit. 
Oh, shit. Oh, there it is. There it there is. It the is. Void. I know. I know. The void shows up a couple of times. <laughs> it also showed up in the Sabretooth Cat one. So um, I was originally going to do a book on the void, but um, it's not available for ebook yet. It's still under Ooh. review. So I did the time. I did time, which is still relevant. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Uh, okay. So spooky, sentient, lesbian, candy corn, butt buffet. That one is a <laughs> polycule story. Um <laughs> With their new neighbors, uh, sentient candy corns. Uh, Friday the 69th. Amazing. Amazing. And then the last one, Buttle Juice. Ew. <laughs> which was possibly the weirdest one. <laughs> and then there was a bonus story. So, um, it's, <laughs> it's a whopping 121 pages in ebook. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. It's good. They're like 10-ish pages each. A couple of them are a little bit longer, but um, I, I don't know how to describe this other than I have questions. And it's uh -huh. amazing. Mm -hmm. But, and we'll, we'll talk about this later because I do think this is going to come up with the two of you as well, which is that if you, if you take the... <laughs> <laughs> the weird nonsense and multiple repeated phrases out of the work. Uh, they're all rather political. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed this. Like, yes. Socially progressive. Yes. Yep. Yes. yes. So there was a uh, very long Reddit thread um, that I don't know if I linked that to you or not. It's worth reading. I sent some screenshots, but it's quite great. Here's this. So good. Um, but I, I pulled one quote out because I feel like we're going to keep coming back to this quite a bit. And when Chuck Tingle was doing an AMA on Reddit, someone had asked him a question um, about uh, what, do you, what do you do when you're questioning everything? And he just said, well, when devils say you can't live as a buck or a ladybug, I say you can live as anything you want, even as a plane or a car. This is not a poking joke. This is to say love is real. You are perfect as whoever you want to be, even if you want to be the concept of time. <laughs> Which I thought was oddly cute. So wholesome. So wholesome. There, mm. Actually, that whole thread is kind of wholesome. Oh, it so is. <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually read through that. It's yeah, it's great. <laughs> It's adorable. And then he did a, uh, oh God, this one was funny because the interviewer was trying to be very serious. And I was like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> uh, I don't think you do. This is from the Columbia Journal. Oh no. Oh yes. This is in Columbia University. Yeah. 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 Do we want to save the uh, stuff about him himself till the end? Yes, Maybe? we totally will. I just yeah. wanted to send you those links because it's, um, <laughs> it's the same point about it being very bizarre and also very wholesome in some ways. So again, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any particular passages that you would like to read? From oh, you? sweet mother of Zeus. Yes. Hold on. Uh, yes. Oh, and he has audiobooks now too. So read them. Um, wouldn't that be great? Just an audiobook. <laughs> Where's the concept? Of, here we go. Here we go. This is what I marked from um, the Sabretooth cat one. Here we go. This is both odd and, and I, I, I'll just read it. Um, 
Megan and I begin to creep out slowly from our hiding spot, moving with extreme caution as we approach the man. We don't get very far, however. Suddenly, four giant crab-like appendages erupt from the man's back with a sickening pop. The man begins to scream. The sound is not like that of a human at all. Instead, it transforms into some kind of horrific alien squeal, echoing out into the night as his body takes off scuttling in the opposite direction. My saber-toothed cat lover and I let out cries of shock, staggering back as we bear witness to this bizarre event, but this is only the beginning. Seconds later, we notice the screams from within the theater have returned, only this time there are much more of them. The sounds rise and fall in a strange cacophony, some of them calling out in agony while others appear to be tormented, yet musical moans. Not knowing what else to do, I follow my first instinct, approaching the door of the theater as surges of adrenaline course through my veins. I have no idea what's going on in there, but I'm compelled to look. I need to see what's so horrific and yet so beautiful about Sabretooth Cats, the musical. And then to uh, end this, here we go. This is the very end. I reach for the door handle when suddenly Megan stops or calls out to stop me. Wait, she cries. I turn around to face her, still feeling a weird cosmic pull from the theater behind me. I can sense the weight of some never-ending abyss as it opens its groaning maw, begging to take that, begging me to take that final step and accept its cold embrace. Don't do it, Megan begs. You know what's in there. The void, I reply. Just come with me. You don't need to see, she continues. I shake my head. Aren't you curious? Megan hesitates. Yes, but I don't need to look. I like what I see right in front of me. At first, I'm confused that I realize the answer. Me. I take a deep breath and let it out, stepping away from the theater door. I walk towards my saber-toothed cat lover and open my arms wide, taking her in for a warm, loving embrace. Tears are streaming down both of our faces. We leave, and we don't look back. <laughs> <laughs> You weren't expecting that, were you? Nothing about that I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's two stories in. And I was like, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. um, It's good shit. I don't even know what to think about that. <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I enjoy something I can't predict. So anyways, that was mine. All right. Uh, Nathan, do you want to go next? Yeah. Um, so I picked up the the Select Your Own Timeline Adventure, uh, the Frozen <laughs> Expedition, sorry, the Expedition to the Frozen Lake. Um, and so this is this book is like any other choose your own adventure. Um, interestingly enough, though, one thing I I realize is that he's well, he has like four of these books, maybe more, and they all have the potential to intersect with each other. Oh, <laughs> so there is a there's. There are points in the book where it said where you can choose your thing at the bottom of the page, and it says if you have if you own this book, go to that book, 
and flip to this page and continue the adventure there. What? Yeah, as like a little mini side quest before it re- like reroutes you back to this book. Oh, how fun! Yeah, that's really it was. Re- it was a really cool concept, and I hadn't seen that before in the few choose your own adventures that I'd uh, that I have yeah. read in the past. Um. So yeah, it was it was really neat. Um. The the concept of this story basically is that you are a retired adventurer, Indiana Jones, Laura Croft type, retired in the fictional city of Billings, Montana. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um which is basically where the Tingleverse resides, if I am um Yes. If I'm right, yeah. He says he's from, so. Awesome. Okay. Yep. Uh, So, like, you get your job from a Bigfoot that comes up and knocks on your door and it's like, hey, I heard you're this adventuring guy. We've got some big issues with this big corporation that's doing some void drilling up in the hills. (laughs) For chocolate milk. <laughs> chocolate milk, guys, is a fossil fuel. <laughs> oh, God. And I'll be damned if anyone tells me that I am not going to the Tingleverse to fucking drill and make boatloads of money off of fucking chocolate milk. Because I want to be a chocolate milk mogul. That's it. That's it. Get out of the way, Nesquik body. I'm coming for your ass. <laughs> right? Uh, so, my favorite thing about this whole universe is like, it seems to just revolve around like the void as this central is like this central ominous thing, right? Um, it doesn't really give much of an explanation as to what it is. Sometimes it's like an eldritch creature. Sometimes it's whatever. But um, this book was really fun in that every sort of decision you made still sort of brought you back to whatever was happening up at this frozen lake. So I did maybe five of the paths that were available in about an hour. And most of them kind of bring you back to a to a point where you end up with an item that you found in this like super secret temple uh, in the bottom of this lake that was created by the buckaroos. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the, uh, the sexy cowboys that, you know, created everything in, uh, in Billings. Um, and like this temple has like hieroglyphics everywhere explaining what the buckaroos did. Oh, like, this God. is like super buff this cowboys. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, super buff cowboys building these building this temple and hiding their their cowboy treasure in it uh, and then flooding the area to hide it. 
basically. And then this is Frozen Lake. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things was me just trying to have a quiet night. Um, <laughs> the first couple pages is like, hey, buddy, I got this thing for you. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Mm, I'm just going to sit down with my tea. Have a good night. I would like you to exit my premises. Uh, and so, you know, Bigfoot leaves. Sad, obviously, because, you know, void drilling is going to be bad news up in this area. Right. Uh, and they want you to go find any artifact, anything in the area that might stop the this corporation from doing this void drilling and harming things uh however because i didn't leave with bigfoot a group of like void cultists show up um if i had left they would have missed me um, and they show up, they knock me out with this like silver powder, and then I wake up in a cage and start talking to their leader, who is this giant megalodon <laughs> human. My God. Yep. <laughs> and um... he says, Well, I need to know uh I need to know why it's you. And so this whole conversation is going back and forth, and he's like, you don't seem special to me, but the Void seems to think that you're, you're special in some way, and so you either convince him that you're not special, that you're just a character in the book, <laughs> or you tell him what the void is telling him and that you are actually the reader. My God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and then he says, well, if, uh, if, if you're the reader and I'm a character, then I don't have any, any control over what I have, like what I do. And that's what I posted with you guys yesterday. Mm. And the cool thing okay. was, is the, so I'll, I'll read it. It says, well, we all have control. Even as characters in a book, you reply. I mean, you're still a representation of reality. Even if you're fictional and a good representation would be capable of making their own choices. But this is how I was written, the shark counters stubbornly. Sure, you reply. Everyone loves a good redemption arc, though. Whatever you believe in free will or not, you can't just use the inertia of a story as an excuse for bad behavior. Oh just my because, god. Just because <laughs> he, you started as a villainous cult leader doesn't mean you can't develop into something more. <laughs> the shark lets out a long sigh. I don't know. It seems out of character. Who's to say, you reply. First of all, you were just introduced, so there's no, there's not much character to defy. <laughs> Second shit. of all, stranger things have happened. It's not completely out of the question for you to have a change of heart. The shark is considering this, but you can tell he's still unsure about the power to control his own destiny. <laughs> Look, you finally offer, 
pointing down. You see those two options at the bottom of the page? The ones in italics with numbers at the end of them? <laughs> the shark the shark gazes between timelines, taking taking note of the italicized sentences that you're referencing. I'll let you pick this time, you offer. But what about the reader? He can he counters. You shrug. Who cares? You pick. And then the options are, if the shark decides to alter his path and become a hero, turn to page 118. <laughs> if the shark stays villainous, turn to 165. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> after this, uh, I actually didn't do the villainous um, timeline. Uh, in a couple instances, if I was like, oh, this is interesting, I want to kind of know which which kind of which goes where, I would just hold my finger in that spot and then go back and forth and like read through the timeline till the end and then go back to that spot and choose the other path and, and read the other way. Totally. Um, but uh, this time I was like, okay, I've been, I've been at this for a little while, so... Um, I went with the hero path and the shark has his like compatriots come in and they're like, it's time. And he's like, yeah, the reader has agreed to help us out. It's fine. We're just getting ready for the, uh, for the ceremony. And then he turns around and he hands you this void dagger, which is like a, a ceremonial dagger to bring on the void and he says you take this and get out the back of the tent I guess I deal with whatever consequences <laughs> are going on oh my god um but there was another there was another part that I really really liked in one of the one of the the very first path that I read and um unfortunately you know my um, my Bigfoot friend died because he was attacked by what we originally thought was a dead um, mercenary Velociraptor, <laughs> um, who apparently liked killing sentient fruit and drinking their <laughs> fluids after they killed them. Holy shit. Um so there's a whole there's a there's a whole thing where they uh the the Velociraptor is <laughs> dead or we thought is dead. We searched through his stuff and we're like, oh he works for the, the corporation. Uh poor guy. Oh wait, here's a picture of him and his his mercenary squad. Hey, they look like they're having a good time. They're all holding like hot apple cider mugs. Oh my God. And like, and posing. And then you notice in a corner that they have a sentient apple, like in a, uh, in like one of those old school, like apple juicers. Jesus. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no, I don't feel sorry for this guy anymore. <laughs> Such an apple just exsanguinated and the... <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, 
so anyway, later on, get to the temple after your friend has been killed by said Velociraptor. Um, and the path that I took ended up being like, oh, there's this trap. And on the pedestal is shiny chocolate milk or shiny strawberry milk. What do you choose? Well, it doesn't <laughs> matter what you choose because then you get a tussle into a tussle with a with a cultist. And like the room caves in on you or the trap goes off. You manage to dodge out of the way, crushes the cultist and all of the delicious milk. So, I mean, you kind of get screwed. Um, but then you go into the farther room and you pick up this like this artifact but the room starts to fill with water and your character's like well I'm going to fucking die and you turn around and there's this woman there and it's the woman on the front of the cover of the book um, and she's like take my hand Basically, take my hand if you want to live. Um, and so she gets you out of the out of the temple, and she saves you. And he's and your character's like, "Oh, well, who are you? And like, why are you here?" And she's like, "Well, maybe I'm just here because you want me to be here, and there's somebody that you miss." Oh. And I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I'm like, I wonder if that's like just the whole reason that he just wrote this person into the book. Oh, um, and yeah, so like that was a, that was like a really like cute moment. And that was the end of the um, the end of that story before the whole museum thing where numerous things happen. Like you did a really good thing. Hey. I'm a I'm a Triceratops guy, and I want you to be the next mayor of Billings. Or, hey, I'm a big dog, and you totally fell into my lair. I'm really sorry for attacking you, but <laughs> uh, want to be buddies? I could be your adventuring companion if you want to oh keep doing God. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was so much, it was a lot of fun to read. And I think the best part is as, um, as like maybe racy and, um, not kid friendly as like <laughs> the rest of the Chuck Tingle books are. Mm -hmm. I would not be sad. I would not be upset and I wouldn't be worried if my kid picked up this book and was like, I'm going to read this because there's <laughs> like of all of the, you know, what is 200 pages and I've gone through probably 75% of them. I, I have yet to see a thing that would be something I wouldn't want him to read. So it was, it was really, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So compared to my handsome sentient face mask protects me despite this ridiculous conspiracy theories that he also won't pounds my butt. Yeah. Compared to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I also. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more depth there than I was expecting. 
Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Um and also because I was looking through the through the Chuck Tingle stuff, uh I found a very specific Canadian one. Uh Canada pounds my butt and covers my pancakes with real maple syrup <laughs> in an erotic way. Also, mm-hmm. it's delicious. Uh <laughs> and then the Oh, the places you'll blow. An -hmm. adults-only collection of sentient location erotica. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I know. I do, too. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yep. Weirdest episode yet. (laughs) So I went in a completely different direction. (laughs) I love this. Um, Chuck Tingle has written a couple books now that are more like guides to things that are written by Dr. Chuck Tingle because he's a doctorate in exotic massage (laughs) from DeVry. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so the one that I was reading was uh, Dr. Chuck Tingle's Guide to Time, um, which was interesting. So I kind of went into expecting that it was just going to be his interpretation or just like take on like what time means. And there's definitely some stuff in there that's kind of, you know, semi series are based on serious philosophies, you know, talking about time travel and black holes and stuff like that. But other stuff is just completely just nothing to do with anything. Um, so talks about time travel a bit about him being a time traveler and how that functions. <laughs> um, but yeah, here's kind of like one of the intro paragraphs that he has there. So it's hard to imagine anything in the universe without the help of time, but it's it's this ubiquity that causes time itself to be so strange. We all have a deep and powerful relationship with the force as it flows through and around us over every passing second. Without time, I couldn't write this guidebook, and you couldn't read it. Even if we try our best to picture a truly static noun, like a frozen red ball that's simply existing without the aid of time, we quickly find ourselves overwhelmed with questions, more questions than answers. How did the ball get there without the help of time? Has it always existed? And will it always stay? We know this ball is red because the light exists between our eyes and its colored surface, but without time, this light can't move, rendering color meaningless. Suffice it to say, time is an incredibly potent force, and one that has fascinated the sentient beings who experience it for ages. Fortunately, what you hold in your hands is a comprehensive guide to the profound magic and mystery of time, and an in-depth analysis of how time affects the reality around us. I first visited the island timeline after a small fight with John, or small fight with John, which is his son, uh, who was upset when I painted his car as a birthday gift. Unfortunately, I'm not as good at painting as I thought, and it was very difficult to repair the damage. While grounded in my room, I decided to escape to a nearby timeline for a while, forgetting my troubles in a distant place without the problems of this life. I have questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so apparently when he's grounded to his room, he, yep. you know, he time travels and goes to different timelines. <laughs> After painting a car. Yeah, for his son's birthday. <laughs> for his son's birthday. And all I can think of is him, whatever he looks like, if he is even real, out there with a paintbrush, like Bob Rossing it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like with like dollar store watercolors or something. <laughs> yes, one of those little shitty ones. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, in this timelines, nap. I'm sorry. In this timeline, naps have co completely taken over culture and society across the globe. And while it tends to be a very peaceful place, it's also lacking in many fundamental basics of modern technology. Realizing that naps are amazing, the people of this alternate reality began to include them in their daily schedule as an official government mandate. This practice started in the United States and then spread out across the world as others got jealous of our lazy days. Soon enough, this midday break were being enjoyed at every corner of the globe, and people were very happy on this timeline. But soon enough, nap time started to grow longer and longer, until eventually only three hours of the day were used for taking care of business transactions and basics of human society. Technological pro progress ground to a halt as humans, unicorns, and big feet slept their days away. Only living objects who do not require sleep continue to perform their duties. Soon enough, an entirely new society of sentient objects began to emerge, running the world while the rest of us slept. They took over time. Back on this reality, the film Trenchcoat Man of Trenchcoat Man, uh, Ke uh, Kenna Reeves' tale, would be released based on the snap timeline. Oh <laughs> my god. Oh wow. wow. I somehow connected this to Kenna Reeves. I... The Matrix. The Nat Matrix. Oh my god. It's all coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I read further into the book, since it started to kind of cover semi-realistic events, but in completely different uh, contexts. <laughs> so, one on the Egyptians. So, <laughs> Even today, the Egyptian pyramids are a sight be to behold. And when they were first constructed, they were even more of a majestic wonder, towering high above the desert sands. The ancient people built these incredible constructions by rolling their favorite bricks across the ground on logs, carting them in from faraway lands in an effort to build the most charming pyramid possible. Well, much attention was paid to the handsomeness of these large stone bricks, often measuring up to 10 feet long and five feet tall. They were mostly selected based on personality and talent. <laughs> and goes on to say how the Egyptians held talent shows to determine which bricks were worthy of going into the pyramids. Okay, but really, I want to know what a brick talent show looks like. I know, right? <laughs> Who can sit still the longest? <laughs> which is the pretty? Which is the prettiest brick? Which is the prettiest? Brick? You have to remember that we're in Chuck Tingle universe, so I think they were singing um, comedy. <laughs> Stand-up comedy. <laughs> oh, it's good, though. Yeah. It's so um, good. Another interpretation of history is uh, Chris Colombo was a devil who sailed across the vast Atlantic Ocean on three ships, first looking for a place to vacation and then eventually discovering what now we now call as America when he took a wrong turn, or so the legend goes. We know that Chris never actually set foot on the soil of this nation, but instead of but instead sailed by some nearby islands and took and shook his fists menacingly at the beach. When the rest of the crew asked if he'd like to go ashore, Chris replied that they'd gone far enough, and now they might as well turn around and go home. All this is ours now, Chris announced brazenly. And the, the sailors never did return to America, but they lived long enough to eventually star in a television show named Columbo, which ran for several seasons and briefly became a massive hit. Oh my god. He's not wrong, except for about the TV show part. Right, right. I know. This is like, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. The devil, the devil, yep, yep, yep. TV show. Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> um, and we have a very interesting segment about Elon Musk in the future. Okay, then. Sorry, I mean Elon's mug. 
Thanks for billionaire tech. Thanks to the billionaire tech mogul Elon's mug, Mars colonization will begin in the year of 2028, with the first ships arriving on the planet's surface in 2032. Elon's will watch Mars from afar for quite some time before finally making this move. Then we'll do so in spectacular fashion, traveling over several years to the darkness of space before arriving on the handsome living planet's surface. Mars won't be so sure about Elon's mug at first, as he seems a little obsessive and comes on pretty strong, but Mars will also be intrigued by his ingenuity. After all, this will mark the first time that any human has actually made the long trek to visit, and all Mars suitors up until this point will have been living objects. Eventually, Mars will agree to a date with Elon's mug, a date which goes incredibly well and kicks off a, a decade-long romance between Elon's and the handsome planet. Even when the two of them split up, as Elon's moves on to a much younger planet named Jupiter, Mars and Elon's will remain close friends for the rest of their days. Stop it. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my. Um, the talks about the section where he talks about famous time travelers, including Docs Brown, oh, is Jesus. one of the most famous modern timeline travelers known for his crazy white hair and absolutely enormous dong. The scientists have been... <laughs> Scientists adventure through history and into the future are so well known that an entire movie trilogy is based on them. Get to the Future Bud, as well as Get to the Future Bud 2, the scoundrel that has a secret book and got to the future, and Get to the Future Bud 3, Now We Are Cowboys and This Is Our Way. Whereas it was a massive hit, rocketing Doc Brown to even greater heights of stardom. Uh, Sorry, I'm still stuck on that. <laughs> What? And, <laughs> and then we have some, <laughs> what? <laughs> we have some very um, keen self-perspection here. Um, after several hundred years of speculation, the identity of author, billionaire philanthropist, and ex-president Chuck Tingle will finally be revealed at the end of the year 2455. At this point in time, it will be assumed that the identity of Chuck Tingle was used by various auth mass authors, as no single man could have survived this long before life <laughs> extension was widely available. The reveal, however, shows that Chuck Tingle is one entity and definitely not a sentient artificial intelligence based on a server farm in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate Dread Pirate Roberts, except <laughs> it's just... <laughs> oh, that's real good. <laughs> and then closing out the book is this. Yes, time is short, but it's also too short to spend getting riled up about how short it is. Instead, wake up every morning with the beautiful knowledge that a new, fresh day has arrived, and it's up to you to do with it what you want to do with it. Each and every moment is a blank canvas to paint with whatever colors you'd like. As a member of the Buckaroo lifestyle, I choose to paint every single moment with love and to squeeze every bit of joy and excitement from what time I have. I hope this book can inspire you to do the same. So come on, buds. Let's get trotting with a spring in our step and love in our hearts. Time's not slowing down for anyone. Oh, hmm. yeah. Oh, so that was a wild ride. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was interesting. There were parts where I kind of glazed over a bit because um, I kind of got a little too hokey, but there were definitely parts that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. And um, yeah, and like you said, that there's just so much random wholesomeness in this. Like it's all bizarre until like you take a moment and step back and look at what it's actually saying. Right. Which is super sweet. <laughs> yeah. And 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 yeah, I was I was I was like, wow, I'm reading like it, everyone knows the that the short 
erotica stories are just not well written and that's fine because the you know the jokes on us as we're paying him to read these <laughs> and see how bad they are and then you get the whole the void <laughs> yeah yeah and you're I'm like in- but i want to know more about that and like, yeah, this was not great. With really well no. written, there was plenty of grammatical and spelling errors, and like you said, oh, yeah. repeated sentences. But the content itself, like, wasn't terrible, and it was amusing <laughs> and sweet and wholesome. And yes, yes, I think that's what I enjoy the most about it because you're just not expecting that. You're like, oh, haha, satire, satire. I get it, I get it, I get it. Very funny. And then you're like, oh, but ow, feels. <laughs> Yeah, so like we decided to do this topic and we all started looking through the hundreds of titles that are on Chuck's website and we all kind of came across the question like, who the fuck is this guy? Right, exactly. And we all did a little bit of research into the situation to kind of see what sort of conclusions we can draw from that. So (laughs) (laughs) where do we start? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to go with none. (laughs) No, no. Uh, uh, Gosh, so I would say that I would say that Vox article is a good rundown mm-hmm. of, and, and it'll be linked in the show notes, but all you have to do is Google Chuck Tingle and you'll find it. It's on the first page. Um, it was written back in 2016 and it's a, um, it's a good breakdown. I think of what he or they, or I don't even know at this point anymore. Um, my door uh, has kind of become it's called the secret behind internet erotica icon Chuck Tingle his own life may be the best story he's ever written um, I don't I don't know what to think <laughs> so for a long time very little information was revealed about Chuck Tingle um, just it was completely no one really knew who this guy was until he started publishing random shit and of course then it got like went wild on reddit as things happen Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. I have some stuff written down. So we know for sure Chuck Tingle is a pseudonym. Right. That is something that we do know. Um, he claims to have been born in Home of Truth, Utah, a small isolated Utah ghost town established in 1933 as a religious commune and banded in 1977. Also, like if there's actually a town called Home of Truth, I'm <laughs> I feel like we need to go there. It's real? I don't know. Is there? Let's find out. Uh, right. Oh my god. Wait, wait. Is it real? It's a ghost town located it's in a... San Juan County, southeastern Utah. Oh my god. So it actually is real. Sweet. And it was yeah. a it was a religious cult home. Yeah. 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 So it was abandoned in 37 but completely empty by 77. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite possible he could have been born there. It's totally possible. Um, he's described himself as bisexual, which I think makes checks out. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Because originally he started doing gay erotica, but we've seen over the years that he's expanded to lesbian erotica. Yes. Um, um, he even started while... doing trans titles as well. Yeah, because for a while he wouldn't, he would say he wouldn't write about ladybugs because he believed that they were already over sexualized and didn't want to foist that mm. yeah. on. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. And then, and then started writing ladybug, only ladybug for ladybug, and then started diversifying into like 
threesomes and stuff. So <laughs> diversifying into threesomes. Yep. That's what I'm going with. Definitely going to be a content warning on this episode. <laughs> Just a smidge. <laughs> Um, so Tingle presents himself as a Taekwondo grandmaster from Billings, Montana, who acquired a PhD in holistic massage at DeVry University, which does not <laughs> offer such a degree. I, uh, I do wonder if he actually does martial arts or not. I don't know. You know, it would make sense in a weird way. Yeah. Or just wears like the, uh, uh, what are they called? The, the robes, the not the kimonos, but those things that they wear for yes. martial arts. Yes. Right. Um, there was a photo that was printed, presented as a portrait of Chuck Tingle for quite some time, was then later to be found to be a stock photo from a website. <laughs> in two, uh, doo -doo -doo. So yeah, in 2016, a person present, representing John Tingle's, or sorry, Tingle's son, John, stated in a Reddit Ask Me Anything session that Tingle is an aut autistic savant, but also suffers from schizophrenia. So this has been the most recent narrative about the situation um, that he actually is. Yeah, on the uh, autism spectrum and which is why he has enjoys these um, wild stories so much. It also mm -hmm. it also explained like the um, the empathy and like emotional depth there as well. Yes, the very particular viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so from what John says, that he is the one who edits his father's work for publication and provides day-to-day -day care for him. So um, it seems like his dad can't live on his own at this point. Um, he's pretty much dependent on um, care workers, either be a son or external parties. And that this is what he does. He just sits there and writes. Mm -hmm. um, a lot. Writes a, a lot. lot. Prolifically, yeah. Now, Tingle has said that his wife is drowned in an automobile accident, but John has stated that Tingle is divorced from his mother and the woman who died was a caregiver. Hmm. So there seems to be some sort of, um, that he has sometimes difficulty grasping reality and kind of constructs fantasies, which again would fall in line in the behavior of someone on autism spectrum and with schizophrenia. Right. But like as highly found in a, that Vox article, though, is there are people who think that this is all a sham. Uh, yes, yes, that he's being, uh, that he's, it's gone beyond satire and is just cruel at this point. And which I would totally agree if you're pretending to be, you know, someone with autism and putting all this stuff out there in the way that he was talking about himself and that not actually being the case, that would be kind of fucked up. Right. You're playing on people's sympathies. You're using, you're, you know, appropriating people's mental illnesses to, for your own yeah. personal and financial gains. So, but yeah, from exactly. all the stuff that I've read and the interviews and everything, I don't get any sense at all that this isn't mostly legit. Right. The it's like what we were talking about earlier today, Kayla. The consistency is there. So either someone is a really good actor. Or, yeah, I it's it's so strange, and and I will I will say this: we could be real wrong. We could be absolutely totally. wrong on all of this. I find it so interesting that um, it's been years, right? It's been almost seven years since he became decently well known, mm -hmm. and at that point. 
at that point, someone outs you if you're yeah if you're pulling everyone's leg. Yeah, and if they, if you know people are attributing this to like oh some young people or whatever that are just happened because savvy of the internet, like you could never force things to go viral. That's just something that just doesn't happen. And if these right. were people that were doing this, we would have been able to connect them to something by now. Yeah, you know, and as someone who's been doing a ton of research into people with fake personalities online, <laughs> like right. everything that I could find about this guy was absolutely consistent and. There's no, there's no reason that I can think of why that the, that a person would do this. It'd be a lot of effort to maintain this for this long, if exactly. this was a false identity. And writing a lot of, let's say, honestly, be honest, like shitty books. <laughs> <laughs> this is but, well, he's he's not even making that much money off of it. That's no. the other. Yeah, he's gonna sell them for a couple of bucks a piece, kind of thing, right? I think, I don't, I think most of the people end up buying them are kind of like us. They're just out of just curiosity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, after finding out this information about him, it made me definitely see things in a completely different perspective. And like you said, like, a lot of his stories are very politically charged and very um, heavy left-leaning. And mm -hmm. just, yeah, the perspectives on them is so heartwarming and opening, open about everything. Yeah. Talking about consent, talking about how you be who you want to be and your outside doesn't matter. Um, that Reddit thread is full of people like, hey, I'm trans and you made me feel a little bit better. And he's just like, hey, you be who you want to be in your skin. You can be a lady buck or a dude buck. And you could be a dinosaur buck. You could like, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's very charming in its way. And I do think you have to take it on a deeper um, level than just what's on the surface for sure. Definitely. And then there's the Hugo nominations where the internet decided oh to get him nominated for a Hugo. I remember this. <laughs> and the best part about this is when, like, he was first, he's like, guys, don't do this. Don't, right. you know, let us go to someone who actually is an author kind of thing, for real. But then he took that opportunity to raise up um, lady writers yep. and, like, video game developers and stuff. And, yeah, it was, it's it was just a really good way to handle that. Like, because if you're just out there for the fame and the money, then you would have just rolled with it, right? Totally. Yep. Oh, I'm nominated. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Instead, he was like, nah. Go buy their stuff. Yeah, like, if I if I win, then I'm gonna work with this person to make a... I'm gonna basically fund this person to make a video game is pretty much what it was. Yep. Zoe Quinn. Yeah. Yep. Who oh. is was the person that got targeted in Gamergate, so. Fucking Gamergate. Yep. Yeah, and like he stood out in Gamergate, like. Right. I would not, I personally would not willingly step into some of these situations. Just oh because God, yeah. you're like, I, as soon as you, and I, I would like to think that I would, but at the same time, I know that my thought process would be immediately be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try to help, but I also don't want my name involved in this. Well, especially yeah. at the time, like when that stuff was happening, like there was very little, um, what's that word? Solidarity. Yes. Mm -hmm. So anyone that seemed to stand up to help was taking down as well. Exactly. Which is, yeah, it's just terrifying. Yep. I remember when the Hugo thing happened and you can read all about it, but it basically a bunch of alt-right trolls decided to get him, um, 
uh, quote unquote nominated as a fan writer and they called themselves the, what was it? Oh, something puppies or whatever. Like puppies. Yep. And rabbit puppies. Yeah. Yeah. A specific dude who wants to make sure that female writers, writers of color uh, get the recognition that they deserve. And so of course then these idiots are like, the white people. Yeah. So that's my impression <laughs> of them. Oh. It's accurate in my marbles in their mouth and their morons. <laughs> so, um, so I've, I've kind of copied down a bunch of random shit that I found on the internet here that I'll kind of just read off. I don't know if you guys have done anything in that regard that you want to share, but I have a few notes, but I I really wanted to like just kind of absorb everything and then mm -hmm. I pulled I plucked some things out of some of the different articles. Um yeah. yeah, so I have, a, I have one statement here from an interview where um, where he was asked, like, what is typical writing processes? Mm -hmm. um, and he says, first thing, first things first, I wake up and I have big spaghetti breakfast. I roll yep. out of bed and then take a shower or bath in the upstairs bathroom if my son lets me. I work <laughs> on my taekwondo and meditate to, to come up with the next tinglers. Then one of them sticks in my brain and I write it down that night if Ted Cobbler's keeping his trap shut and not keeping up the whole block. That's the neighborhood guy. <laughs> yeah, the tech hauler is like a young guy wherever's in the neighborhood that he's got somewhat of a rivalry with Chuck. Amazing. And then, like, he was asked, like, well, where did the idea for his latest story came from? And he's like, my latest story is called Bigger Bigfoot Sommelier Butt Tasting. The idea came from a wine shop in Billings. Big man and they're always showing everyone bottles got me laughing and suddenly I felt a tingle coming on. Next thing I know, I'm trying to write while Ted blasts his music, but it's okay because I got it done. Idea for the jet plane came from riding in a jet plane. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, Chuck Tingle follows one person on Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, any guesses who this person is? Oh, God. It is know. a celebrity. You would know the person. So, oh fuck, I'm bad at these though. I don't know. I have Nathan, no you gonna guess? No. It's Taylor Swift. Yes. Oh my god! Only I person love he it. follows on Twitter. Like he's got I'm... millions of followers to himself. Fucking love it. So good. He's a huge Swifty, apparently. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Um. <laughs> He was asked what his favorite book of his is, and he says his favorite one is I'm Gay for My Living Billionaire Jet Plane, because it reminds <laughs> me of good times with my son in Las Vegas. We played games, and his friends called me Rain Guy. I look up to my son so much. He's such a cool guy, and you can see the way that he kisses girls left and right. He acts like it's no big deal. I want to be like him. I know I'm just a guy with some fries watching this, the fun train, and that's okay. Oh. <laughs> Oh, the train thing. He talks a lot about being on the lonesome train when he's depressed. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh buddy. <laughs> I freaking love this. He loves this his son so, so fucking much, which is I so know. adorable. I know. My son, name of John. Yeah. My son, name of John. <laughs> and yeah, I have some of the answers here from the or uh, the I. AMA, wow, yeah, AMA. So, um, so these are the AMA was being answered by John, who spoke on behalf of his father. Um, so 
first person, she's like the first answer that the first question that I always get is yes, my father is very real. He is an autistic savant, but also suffers from schizophrenia. To make it very clear, my father is one of the gentlest, sweetest people you could ever meet and is not at all dangerous, although he does have a history of self-harm. Right. Which is interesting. Um, he mentions how like he has issued like peeling out of skin and that is one reason he observes his Twitter account is because he'll start talking about it and that will mm -hmm. start to manifest into reality so he keeps a close eye on that and again that's something that's very very typical for people on the autism spectrum or not neurodivergent people is to have that kind of rumination and obsession and then the least of self-harm right so yeah it's something very specific again that like you wouldn't really know unless you had experience with that yeah it it that's a hard thing to fake. Not saying it can't be done, but. Yeah. Was that the cat? Yeah, the cat's playing with her ball <laughs> toy. <laughs> I have toy. Um, he is aware that there is humor in many of his titles, although he would never just come right out and say it. Dad has a hard time understanding many things, but I would not let him be the butt of some worldwide joke. I didn't, if I didn't have faith in that, Sorry, if I didn't have the faith that he was in on this in some way, I wouldn't let him do it. Regardless, writing and self-publishing bring him a lot of joy. So he takes it seriously, but at the same time, I think he, he gets that it's funny and it's ridiculous. And yeah, like he, like the Johnson, he's easy and he's in on the joke, and I think he, in a way, plays into the ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. But because he loves it, it's like because people find joy and the ridiculousness that he does, and he likes that he can make people happy. He was asked to share his dad's spaghetti recipe. <laughs> and he says, it. you don't actually want it. He actually published it in his guide to romance. But with all that fish sauce, let's say that it's an acquired taste. I prefer oh. to make his spaghetti for him. Oh. Oh, no, buddy. Uh. <sighs> yeah, the spaghetti thing and the chocolate milk thing. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, he loves them quite a bit in... Uh, quite a bit in all the work. Yeah, it showed up in the lesbian stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, serious question, though. Taking you at face value about all of this being real, what's it like to read and edit erotic fiction written by your father? <laughs> That's I'm not sure that I have ever actually really detailed conversation about sex with my father and discovering, let's say, uh, niche porn on his computer was one of the more disturbing events in my young life. Um... Oh, sorry. Hang on. That was that was the person's question. Still, <laughs> so I'm I'm not oh. sure that I've actually had a really detailed conversation with sex about my father. With my father and discovering, let's say, niche porn on his computer was one of the more disturbing events of my young life. Your dad's stuff, on the other hand, is imaginative on a level beyond anything most companies are willing to produce, and hint at some hangups that may make me uncomfortable to know anyone else has much less my own blood. So, how would you disconnect from the relation and just, you know, do your job? <laughs> And he says, when you have a father like my dad, you grow up pretty fast. So I'd like to think that my maturity level is to the point where I can handle some pretty uncomfortable stuff with a bit of grace. What it really comes down to is that I'm helping him do something that he loves. And self-publishing has completely turned his world around. There, there, were, there were a few very dark years there. And now he's happier than I've seen him in a long time. As far as content goes, it's actually a lot easier to help him with it because it's just so strange. Wow, that, that, yeah, yeah, that feels about right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes sense. Like, cause if you have severe, like, mental illnesses and stuff, sometimes you can't leave the house. Like, you can't right. interact with the world. And this gives him such an outlet. 
and people that are willing to talk, like who are interested in what he has to say. <laughs> I can yeah. see that being really rewarding, and he gets to make a little bit of income on the side. Exactly. And have people tell him that they enjoy, you know, his point of view or his work or um, it reading through all of this material he's given, he's given interviews. Like he's been on podcasts and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's yeah, he, isn't he like on a podcast consistently now? Yeah. He's on a night veil. He has yeah. a podcast with night veil. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's been an interesting I don't know what the word is here that I want to use excursion maybe into someone else's point of view. And that is why when I, when I stopped and, and stripped out that top layer of like, Oh, this is some hot nonsense. haha, -ha, And, and started to just went on the ride that hopefully this <laughs> is a real person and we're not all being played. You know, this is someone who you have a lot of empathy for yeah definitely exactly yeah like i feel the same way as because he's expressing a lot of complex things right and they clearly come from a very personal place that he's it's his way of dealing with things right yeah this is great are you ever bothered by your father's really intense love for and admiration of you <laughs> he says i can understand that people would think that it's strange but really i just think that he loves me a lot and isn't aware of the most appropriate way to show it my dad doesn't understand a lot of social cues. So when he says that my abs look really good, he has no idea that that's really inappropriate. He just says what he means. My main issue with all of that is that when he does it in public, so I'm trying to teach him and I'll admit that I lost my cool a couple times. <laughs> that's come up a few times too, about the, just the fact that his dad, because of his conditions, just isn't very socially aware. Yeah. Um, you seem pretty understanding and mature. Why did it, why did it bother you so much when Dr. Tingle was considering becoming your mother? What? Why did it bother you so much when Dr. Tingle was considering becoming your mother? Very sorry. My father has, oh, okay. Yeah. My father has some personal identity issues that he has been working on through his whole life. And part of it manifested him becoming other people or things. For a while, he was living as a plane, which was an interesting week. And then recently he wanted to live as Barbara. I'm honestly fine with my dad being whatever he wants to be, but in this particular case, because we are talking about an actual deceased person, I admit to getting a little frustrated with him. Right. Yeah. And the barber in that situation was the caretaker, not the mom. The caretaker, whom he mm. doesn't seem to maybe fully, yeah, have an awareness of yeah. the difference. Yeah. Is Ted Cobbler real? What is he really like? <laughs> Yes, Ted Cobbler is very real, but as with most names, my dad has been um, as as very real as though with most names, my dad has been getting it slightly wrong for years. I would say that at this point, Ted is very patient. He's really just a normal guy about my age who my dad is fixated on for from for some reason or another. Part of me thinks that a lot of this obsession is because Ted is cool in a lot of ways that my dad thinks are cool. Drives a nice car, has lots of friends, his girlfriend is very sweet. So I honestly think that my dad sees something that he wants to be and gets very jealous. Oh. Which is also adorable. <laughs> yeah, that, that, wow, that feels pretty, that's pretty real. <laughs> um, question, I adore your, your dad's books. I was born in Billings, 
corner of the world and think it's especially astounding he lives in that that little hotbed of conservation uh, conservatism <laughs> he gets a lot of attention he's getting a lot of attention but i know that he, this doesn't exactly equate to sales how are his book sales doing enough to make a living yet or is it like a keep your day job kind of thing mm. and john says my dad already receives monthly checks from the government so money has never really been a problem because i was also helping support him that being said he is still he is starting to make a lot from his writing, especially the paperbacks. I'm kind of scared to see what he decides to spend all that saved money on. <laughs> Question: How often do you catch your father in the upstairs tub? <laughs> <laughs> all the time. You have no idea. The strangest part is that it's perfectly fine for him to use, but he has something about the things that I don't want him to go up there. <laughs> <laughs> About how long does it take to edit a Tingler, and do you keep the unedited versions saved anywhere? And he says, I save the unedited versions just to have them, because some of them are pretty wild. I'd say it takes me a good three hours to get through one of them, even though they're short, because on some parts, it's basically a full rewrite to get the essence of what he's trying to say. Oh. Um, I stumbled across your father's work through watching a YouTube video posted about six months ago, link here. I just wondered, did this publicity impact your, your dad's sales by creating an influx in interest? John, it's really interesting how little things like this seem to impact the sale. My dad absolutely loves doing interviews because he likes the attention, but it seems to me that his sales slash fame has gone up in a very steadily steady stream that is weirdly consistent and gradual. The one time I feel like I did notice a big spike was when Huffington Post picked up on, picked up the one he did about the dress. <laughs> My oh, dad was yes. literally jumping around the living room and doing high kicks. Yeah, he, yep. did, a po he did a story about the dress that people couldn't decide was golden white or black <laughs> and blue right yep um and then hey john how would you react H how should we react to chuck's different phases of becoming different things and other shenanigans what is a healthy way for us to respond to that like i want to be there and support him and all his choices but i also want him to be safe there's a fine line between being supportive and an enabler and i want to make sure to stay on the supportive side which is really considerate um John says, him becoming things has always been part of who he is. And honestly, I try to be very supportive of it almost always. Straight up, it makes him happy and never lasts very long. The only thing that's actually dangerous is when he starts talking about removing his skin. But I monitor him very closely online, and when it becomes an issue, I interfere, intervene. Also, thank you so much for the concern. It's very kind. Oh, I don't know if you can hear the cats in the background. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chasing each other around. Yeah, so that was kind of the notes that I written down about it anyways. Yeah, totally. I, uh, again combing through some of the the content just made me i don't know it made me more uh feel like this was a real person yeah it feels very real and personal like yeah it'd be a lot of work to fake that <laughs> yeah that sounds exhausting <laughs> i yeah. don't even want to know it's um, exhausting being your own person why would yeah, you really? want to be someone else? Why would you want to make that? Why? Stop it. Why would you want to spend 20 years on the internet trying to be somebody to... else? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no. that's a whole, yeah. no. uh, whole other thing. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it was uh, really endearing. Um, I was surprised by this whole thing. I thought this was kind of just like, okay, this is going to be some stupid weird over the top book. But um, as, you know, weird as they were, but there was there's a lot of heart to the situation and yeah. This guy's really endearing. <laughs> yep. Listen, I don't do anything, even when it's weird, <laughs> without there being some kind of feels behind it. 
Oh my gosh. I feel like that could be taken in so many ways. You don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I had actually, you pulled out some of the same stuff that I did. um, So we shared a brain cell there. And then (laughs) I, (laughs) brain cell sharing, was looking at the tour actually uh, about a year ago, did an interview with him about writing advice. So I wasn't sure if y'all had stumbled across this one. Um, mm. But the, I'll send you the link, but the little bit that I really, it, it's actually, again, pretty freaking cute. Uh, but the one that I really liked, which is that, um, so there's two things. Uh, there's one, how do you cure writer's block? And he says, when I am writing, but I like to turn off my brain and watch the story like it's a movie. Then I am just writing what is on the screen. Thing is, sometimes acting buckaroos on the screen don't do what I expect. They have their own way. I have found best way to fix writer's block is to just let them do what they want because a lot of the time they will know what happens next much better than I do, even though I am the writing buckaroo. So fucking true. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yep. <laughs> Doling out the advice. Ouch. Okay. That felt real. Um, and then the one that just made me go, oh, okay, buddy. So maybe you, um, the article says, maybe you've asked yourself if it's even worth it to write at all. After all, why spend hours trying to pour your soul out onto a page when you don't even know if anyone wants to read it? But have you considered that writing might be a good way to prove love across all timelines? So his advice is, top advice for all writing buckaroos is to write with love. This is the most important way of all because you can always tell when an author knows that love is real. Even if it is a scary story or a sad story, if you write with intent of love, it will show through and reading books will be drawn to your way. This is just the nature of the tingle verse and any layer upon even the upper layers like this one. Oh, I know. I know. Too wholesome for this world. I hope he forever stays that way. I hope so, too. But also him trying to describe his favorite books killed me. Oh? That one screenshot that I sent y'all from Reddit. Um, Hold on, let me find this. Okay, so actually, there's a couple here. Wait, where is this at? Yes. Oh, not Reddit. The Columbia one. Um. Favorite authors are Stevens King and R.M. Stimes. Both are writers of best mysteries in the world. Both are handsome and both like in a castle. Favorite, fav, favorite tie books by Stevens King change because I find a new one that has an exciting cover, but top books are probably Car from Other Side and Car from Other Side 2 and also that dang plane about a plane that can't <laughs> land or it gets eaten by meatballs. <laughs> best R.M. Stimes books. Our name of werewolf in the swamp log. My dummy is handsome and there's a hand in the basement. So good. <laughs> the one that got me was what I was telling you, Kayla, this morning. I looked at Jeremy and I was like, what Stephen King book is this? Snow Maze Running from My Dad. That's um, The Shining. It's The Shining, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's so descriptive. Everyone immediately knows what it is, but I would have never described it that way no (laughs) (laughs) it's a very particular point of view that i enjoy 
Thank you, Chuck Tingle. You are a gift to <sighs> the world. You are a gift. Well, then I will leave you with my favorite thing of all. All right. Uh, from the Reddit thread, uh, there's a question that says, Dear Dr. Tingle, as a trans buck, I have often had trouble navigating the male buck spaces because I was raised as a lady buck. As an expert in bucks, do you have any advice for getting along with male bucks that are more like stereotypical male buck? They have interest in sports beer and chicken wings. I have more interest in video games, soda pop, and grilled cheese. It's a very good question. Um, he says, this is a very good question. My advice would be to figure out what you like because ladybugs and mailbugs can like all these things. The best part of having a unique way is that you get to pick what makes you, you. And if that means you are a mailbuck that doesn't like sports, that is a very good way because it is your special way. I think you sound like a very interesting and fun buckaroo. And I think that any interest you have will do nothing more than make you special and wonderful. No, that is so fucking sweet. <laughs> The sugar coming out of that just—we all have cavities now. Heart cavities. Heart cavities. Heart cavities. Heart cavities. So he has a website. All of his titles are listed there. It'll take you a second to scroll through them. There are so many, and they're amazing. And they're amazing covers. The covers are great. Oh, good. And that's it for this week. But if you really can't wait another week to hear our grading voices or you actually want to see our faces, Holly and I will be doing a Hex live show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern to help raise funds for Able Gamers. Able Gamers Charity helps get custom gaming setups made and sent to those that can't use conventional equipment and brings joy to children everywhere. Holly and I will be talking about food. Holly will be telling us all about counterfeit wines, and I'll tell you about the world's deadliest sushi. After that, we have a bunch of fun food-related trivia, and things may devolve into a conversation about Dragon Age theories in case you ever doubted that we're complete dorks. So please pop in and say hi. You can find us at tinyurl.com forward slash tpcspring. Again, that's tpcspring. Or just look for terrible underscore party at any streaming platform. For more details, check out our website, Twitter, or Facebook. Speaking of website, you can find additional information, sources, pictures, and links at thehumanexception.com. If you want to find us on social media, you can do so at Facebook or Twitter at The Human Exception. Do you have an idea for a story that you'd like us to cover? Want to tell us we're wrong or provide additional information about a topic? Or even just say howdy? You can reach us at thehumanexception at gmail.com or any of the above mentioned platforms. We hope that you have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye.